0: It's finished at Sunderland Manchester United have done all they can That Rooney goal was enough for the three points Manchester City are still alive here
1: Balotelli Aguero
2: Welcome, Blues, to episode 16 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. I'm joined as usual by Walter Smith. Hi, Walter, how are you doing? Very
0: well indeed, thank you very much. And also the
2: third member of our new lineup, Victoria Gregory from the official Chicago-Manchester City Supporters Club. Hi, Vic, how are you doing? Hello, I'm grand, thank you. Okay, guys, well, we don't have to worry too much about what should be top of the agenda today because during the last 30 or 40 minutes, Raheem Sterling's only just been and gone and scored two goals against
1: in their own backyard. What do you think of that Vic? So, uh, is that Raheem Sterling who's top of the league? That's the one. Rahim Sterling. That's the one. Yeah absolutely fantastic. Hopefully that'll silence a few of his critics. Walter what do you think about this? Is that going to shut up the naysayers who
2: are uh, yelling nonsense at Raheem?
0: Well at least he can have a breakfast without guilt in the morning and the Daily Mail much as a dirty rag that it is and the, the stories they invent for their readership. The agenda that they've created there must be a Daily Mail journalist crying into his teapot tonight. We all know as City fans <laughs> the quality that he possesses and the quality that he possesses in a Pep team because he's given that much more freedom in a Pep team it's not structured as the England team because you've got to be looking at a young player who's banging goals in for fun left, right and centre and has been instrumental in the way we play and let's get this right this is the greatest ever Premiership team with 100 points and then when he pulls on a white shirt of England it's a case of Ugh. and then you look at the amount of abuse that he gets and you sometimes wonder why bothers turning up at all, but he certainly turned up tonight, and I reckon if, if if anybody out there has put a half-time lead of 3-0 on for England in Spain, well, the beers are on you tonight. Victoria, it looks like,
2: and some people have been suggesting that Kyle Walker's future with England seems to be in big doubt now, because obviously Trippier is the preferred right wing-back, and now Joe Gomez is emerging as a, an excellent centre-back. We know that Kyle doesn't like to play traditional centre-back, so you reckon that's that's it for Kyle, he's just a squad player from now on.
1: No, I don't think so. I think it would be nice to see an England team that has a depth of squad similar to what the City team has. So I don't think that it necessarily has to be, you know, every player is the starting player. Having a solid bench is something that would be great to see for England.
2: It's quite good for us as City fans too, isn't it? Because John Stones had a yellow card and so he's come home and up to half a dozen players are being rested. They either were not picked or they were not included in the squads or didn't go for one reason or the other so we're going to be nicely rested don't you think whenever we're uh, coming up against Burnley which is going to be the
0: next one there's no argument there Carl Walker is the best right back in the Premier League and that includes the other two boys if Gareth Southgate can't see that I think he's a quite a limited manager because Carl Walker is just been phenomenal for us for a team that <laughs> just gone and walked all over every other club in the Premier League we didn't go after Trippier we uh, went after Carl Walker and there was a reason for that as well he's never let us down and he's phenomenal so I- I'm not quite quite sure why he's not starting. He should be the England right-back for now and years to come as far as I can see. The other two aren't fit to lace his boots.
2: Yeah, I was just trying to work that out, Victoria. In Gareth Southgate's <laughs> head, what has Trippier got that uh, Kyle Walker hasn't got?
1: Who knows what's going on in Gareth Southgate's head? I'm not sure. <laughs> I really don't know. Um,
2: wondering what tie to wear.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <sighs> Which waistcoat to dazzle us with? Um, yeah, I guess it's probably, there is a feeling that Trippier crosses the ball better than Walker. There's no doubt who's the Fastest, Yeah, it was a kind of a difficult one, but I suppose we shouldn't dwell on England too much. Whenever you're a City fan, you don't need to recourse to the national team. Guys, we are happy to introduce Victoria as the third member of our merry band on the Bolt from the Blue Pod. So let's find out a little bit about her here, Walter. Uh, we learned last week that the embryonic Victoria was at the 1976 League Cup final, no doubt cheering inside the tummy when Dennis, Dennis Stewart scored that amazing overhead kick. So Victoria can... Can you tell us a little bit about growing up as a Man City fan post-76?
1: How was that? I used to go to Main Road with my dad a lot. Back in the days where we couldn't really afford for the whole family to go at the same time. So it used to be me and my dad that would go up to Main Road. Uh, My parents relocated to Sheffield when I was quite young. So growing up and going to school in Sheffield during the 80s and 90s as the only Man City fan in the whole village, uh, the whole city it felt like, was pretty tough. Uh, Nobody really enjoys Mondays, but Monday mornings for me were even worse because undoubtedly City had lost at the weekend. So I'd have Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United fans giving me our time on the school bus every single Monday morning. Um, So when we played, played Sheffield Wednesday a few years ago in the FA Cup and put seven past them. That was one goal for every year of misery that I spent at school in Sheffield. It was very nice, as I'm still friends with quite a few people that I went to school with, so you can bet that I uh, lauded that over them for quite a while dined out on that for a bit. So me and my dad used to get in the car and drive over from Sheffield, drive over the Woodhead Pass and go to Main Road and watch the matches. That's where the um, Simple Minds Alive from Kicking Song came in, because we used to put that on in the car. And just play that on repeat on the drive over to main Road, and it was mine and my dad's thing so yeah so uh 10 years ago now relocated to chicago uh with my job and one of the things that my dad mentioned to me when i was moving over here was to expect things that i wouldn't expect to become a lot more important to me um and he said that because he was in the navy for 12 years uh, before i was born and he said that city became so much more important to him they always always had been important but it came so much more of a of a, a line back to home um mm-hmm. for him when he was away i mean he was out at sea with no communication to anybody friends and family back home at all and finding out football results two days after a match had taken place and it was true when I moved here it really did become something that was definitely part of my identity and who I was but something that was just so important for me to keep that strong connection to. So once I was here, found a pub that a few other city supporters were hanging out in at the weekends and watching matches. And after a year or so of watching matches together, we were starting to, to build a group and we felt it was time to register as an official branch.
2: So how do you go about starting a Man City Supporters Club? What what are the various hmm. steps
1: so it's pretty easy to, to register and get set up through the mancity.com website. There's a section now for supporters clubs. So first off, you can go and find if there is a supporters club branch near you and if there is where they watch matches and how to get in touch with them. And if there's not, there's information on how you can set a branch up. One of the things that I always recommend to people that contact me from other places in the US that are, are looking at doing this is to have got together as a group and watch some matches together. Together And found a pub that's going to open for you, whatever time zone you're in and get that group solidified and getting together week in, week out for at least one season, if not a bit, little bit longer. Because one thing that is impossible to do with these branches is run it as an individual person. You do need help. Uh, there's a lot of administration to do. Uh, there's a lot of email communication to keep on top of. And it's difficult. To, it's impossible to do. It's not just difficult to do that as a one man band. So you do need other other people that are gonna help take on certain roles within the branch, whether that's, you know, signing new people up for membership, you know, keeping on top of the social media, all the different channels that we have, making sure we communicate with other branches, when we have the preseason tours helping with things for that. So it's important to start a group and get that group solidified and then from there you can contact City and away you go.
2: Let's bring in uh, Walter here. Walter I've never asked you this before. Have you ever been a member of a City Supporters Club or are you affiliated in any way with uh, with
0: one? No, not really. Being in Manchester, you know, it's, it's not quite a vital connection to a faraway city, is it? I've had some dealings with the north of Bury. I've obviously met up with Blue Moon Dallas so you know, the Dallas guys. But it's been up at a paid-up member. Not really. It's, uh, it's always seemed something to me that's somebody does that's far away
2: yeah
0: absolutely and I know I, I can understand exactly what Vic was saying sometimes you have to leave a place to truly fall in love with it and if you leave a place I mean I was down in London for a while in the 90s and I mean I actually love going to the City Away games then <laughs> so we went to some weird and wonderful places whether it was Colchester or Luton or Gillingham York old, City that sort of South <laughs> York City that's not quite in the southeast of the country <laughs> uh, unless they've it, but it's, um, sometimes, as I say, you have to leave a place to truly fall in love with it. And I can understand the, the link back home because as long as, sort of, well, I, I'm only, I'm surmising here, I suppose. But, you know, Vic's been over in America now 10 years. And, you know, in many respects, you'll consider that home. But there'll always be a piece of her in Manchester.
2: <laughs> Walter, I think you told me one time you met Victoria's parents.
0: Is that right? Yeah. We beat West Ham and won the league. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot, just a lot of Americans came over. So, I just... Presume if if you're going to go somewhere, you may as well bring your folks with you. If it's only a, a short trip across the uh, Pennines, you know you're going to kill two birds with one stone and meet up with them as well. So yeah, I did and what a lovely, lovely set of parents they were. They were very welcoming, and they had a long chat with them, and just that was that. You know what I mean?
2: Did they introduce you as Hi, we're Victoria Gregory's parents? Or Did they have name badges? How did you know that? We
1: were out at dinner, so I'd organised a group trip for people from various US branches and some of the Canadian branches to go over the 2014 end of the season so we did a couple of matches we did the stadium tour we had a, a meal out and Walter came and joined us for the meal so my mum and dad were at that because they're honorary members of the Chicago branch even though they are season ticket holders um, <laughs> they are a member of the Chicago branch as well um, for when they come over here they're pretty famous in our pub over here now um, so yeah it was that event that I'd organised as a trip over for a group of people which we'll look at doing again I don't know if it'll be this season and um, there's an awful lot of work involved with getting, like, 40-plus people from different cities within the US all into Manchester for the same football match. Um, but we'll definitely look at doing it again.
2: Wow. Degrees of Kevin Bacon, ladies and gentlemen. These guys are
0: linked. <laughs> I know uh, Manchester's nearer to New York, The New York is to Los Angeles, I believe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. So it's just, it, that, that's the sort of scale of the country that you're talking yeah. about. So I can appreciate, and you're talking different time zones, you know, somebody, mm-hmm. God knows what time some of the uh, Americans have to get up <laughs> just to take in a game of football well
1: i always think when i'm ready to complain about having to get up early on a saturday or sunday i think about the people over on the west coast who were two hours earlier so if it's 6 30 a.m in chicago 7 30 a.m for new york and on the east coast but that's 4 30 a.m for the west coasters and they're up and they're at the pub and they're watching the games at that time
2: yeah that's a funny thing someone has been asking me about starting a a Man City Supporters Club here in Seoul. There actually isn't one, but um, one person said to me, well, good luck trying to get a pub that's going to open up at that that time of the morning (laughs) because obviously you're talking about like it's a three o'clock game, then it's going to be, we're nine hours ahead normally, so that's like midnight. And then if it's obviously a 5.30, then it's after midnight and and all the rest of it. So, uh, Victoria, what is the weirdest sort of time that you have been watching a game at?
1: So it would be the 6 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. on a Saturday or Sunday morning, Um, Um, And I think the the most brutal of those is when it's in the depths of winter and it's like minus 30 Celsius outside, but we're getting up and putting our uh, Arctic parkers and snow boots on to trudge down to the pub to still watch the game. Last winter, there was one very early kickoff and my cab was stuck behind a snowplough at the bottom of the road. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're, they're the ones that tend to be a little bit more kind of tougher to get the, the whole group out to the pub, but we always still have a really good turnout, regardless of, you. always say, it's rain, shine and in the midst of blizzards and minus 30 Celsius temperatures.
2: Walter, if you're at home, you're not actually at the game, how do you watch City? Um, Just at home on the TV, or do you go and watch it with other people? What do you do?
0: It depends. Uh, uh, what time kickoffs at I always like to watch it in a pub and I think that, that that's often what leads to a club setting up because mm-hmm. people prefer that people want to share that emotional sharing I suppose so if I'm sat there at home the City scored a goal and I'm like jumping up and down and you know nobody else is there so you know that's the case so it's sort of dead and I suppose that's why people go to Twitter then because maybe they, they can share that way I mean I don't know if it's an away game you know uh, again I, I'd like to always try and get to the pub to watch it. Always nice to have a couple of pints, you know.
2: How many supporter clubs are the Mount City supporter clubs, are there in America right now? In
1: the US, there are now 33.
2: And you mentioned that second to mm-hmm. England, that's the highest number. Yep.
1: So in total, there are now 255 branches across 55 countries. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's 33 in the US, there are six in Canada, you've got five over in Australia, 108 branches are in England.
2: In America though would you say that maybe New York is the biggest one or the original one the mother of them all or
1: Um, I'm not sure which was the first one that was set up because I know Boston was one of the early ones Um, I think New York was as well and they were definitely definitely the biggest for a long time I know that I think Chicago are, are chasing them in terms of the number of members right now. We we closed our membership book last season with just over eighty members, and you closed the book like in the mafia. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, um, the start of this season already, we've got 109 members signed up to the branch. Um, a lot of that, you know, that increase came with the preseason tour that was here and came through Chicago. Um, that helped us generate some more memberships. Um, but one of the things that we do in Chicago is we you know we pay membership dues back to the mothership in Manchester but part of our dues that we charge we actually give half of our dues directly to our fundraising efforts Um, what a lot of people don't know is that Manchester City built a city in the community football pitch here in Chicago so there's some in New York uh, there's one here in Chicago there's one in DC uh, there's some in East LA and I think in Miami as well um, so it's part of the city in the community program. So over here, it's referred to as city soccer in the community. Um, but there is a community football pitch in Logan Square, which is one of the neighborhoods here in Chicago, which is just free for anybody to go and use. And then there is a, an after school program for the kids from the neighborhood to go and have coaching on how to play football which is completely free of charge and that's been going on we just passed the, it's the sixth year anniversary of that pitch being opened here in Chicago uh, when that opened that was incredibly surreal for me kind of seeing all these kids running around with man city shirts on and the huge banner of you know Manchester City banner welcome to your soccer home it was all very very strange and surreal but that's one of the great things about city they're not just doing things on their Back doorstep, um, everything that's been done in Manchester is fantastic, and what's been done in the community. But they're doing that elsewhere, and they're doing that globally, and where they do have supporters' club branches.
2: Is it true that the American commentators have formed their own vocabulary really around the game? But I heard I didn't even know what cleats were until I discovered that this means. <laughs> that this means studs. And then some commentator talking about striking the ball right in the wheelhouse or something like that. And I'm like, what what the heck does that mean?
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of that started in the 94 World Cup, though, when they were talking about, like, putting the sphere into the the netting and uh, they just meant scoring a goal. Um, I also blame Alexi Lalas for a lot of that because he does some of the commentary over here. He's terrible. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Sometimes I've had to adapt my vocabulary at work. I try not to as much as possible, but sometimes you do have to go with the when in Rome.
2: Vic, you don't say goaltender, yeah. do you?
1: I do not say goaltender. I also <laughs> don't say offside in plural. So it's not plural, it's just singular.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that is Victoria. She She's the third member of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. We're delighted to have her. Guys, it's an international break. What do people talk about in international breaks? Well, I guess one of the things that we talk about are transfer rumours. Walter, the January transfer window is a little bit nearer than it was at the beginning of the season, so people are getting giddy about who we're going to get. Would you like to see us make a January transfer signing? Because, you know, obviously January window signings don't always turn out to be the best signings, and they tend to be overpriced
0: as well. What do you think, Walt? I think uh, as a club you've got to assess the situation, and you've got to assess where you're up to, and you've got to assess what injuries you've got. We've been calling our for uh, as a club, it's been going on a while now, but Ferrandinho needs somebody else. Most of our squad is sort of, uh, or positions in the squad are well stacked. You know, we've got replacements down the line for most of what's going on, but Ferrandino, yeah, if Ferrandino went down, you know, in a heat for one of these matches coming up, we're looking at, uh, you know, when I talked about percentage drop offs for players, I'm not overly sure who's going to fill that role. I don't know who we've got that could fill that role. I mean, there's talk of Gundogan, but Pep doesn't seem to fancy him in that position. So a defensive midfielder is what we've been absolutely crying out for. And that's, I suppose, if you look at, you know, Jorginho trying to get him in in the summer. Uh, You know, we bought Laporte last year. You know, what, what a signing he was, you know what I mean? So a replacement for Ferrandino.
2: Walter, what is the profile of this guy going to look like? Is he going to be a young, developing, central defensive player, or are we looking for a veteran who can hold us until we can find someone who's a world star?
0: For me, Pep always seems to prefer to work with younger players. So you're Looking at a younger end of the market, you're looking for a player who's got unbelievable p- potential and a player that is football intelligent as well. Because most players on the market, as good as they are, wouldn't fit into a pep system. I mean, the ideal sort of shining light of that would be David De Gea. David De Gea has been renowned as one of the world's best goalkeepers. And I know he's let three in tonight, I think he was playing, but he's, um, you know, there's no denying the quality that he's had. But would I swap in for Edison, I wouldn't simply because the way Pep plays football. So you're looking at getting players in. A, a, I've got that footballing intelligence, and that goes from the goalkeeper right up to the front. Pep doesn't have to get them in and then to completely sort of break them down and build them back up in terms of what he, you know what he expects on a football pitch. You're looking at players who play in similar systems, who are good with you know the close touch, who don't panic, who uh, can see space and uh, you know see um, air is open up and I'm opening up on the pitch so the pool is quite small and they're also a wanted pool as well and to get a young talent in or someone who's emerging is going to cost a lot of money there's no doubt about that but that's the market we're in unfortunately if you're talking lots of money Carlsberg don't do football owners but if they did <laughs>
2: Victoria Walter has painted the type of profile of the guy we're looking at, and certainly one name that seems to fit that is the one that everyone's talking about, this young Ajax superstar, who apparently is the next big thing. He's got all of that Cruyff DNA running through the whole system there at Ajax, and uh, this guy would appear to be the one that City are after. The reports are that they've let it be known that they're prepared to pay in excess of 70 million Pounds. That means our new record signing, if it happened. What do you think about this young fella becoming the apprentice to Fernandinho in January?
1: From what I've seen of him, I think, yeah, he seems like the right fit, exactly what we're looking for. I, I'll i be honest with you. I don't pay too much attention to the transfer rumours until signings are actually made. One of the most irritating phrases that has come out the last few years is in the know and people saying that they're like ITK and a lot of those never come to fruition and it's just the rumour mill. I'm very confident in the people that are making these decisions know exactly what they're doing um, and kind of leave it to them to, to do the job, get the business done and then announce it when it's a done deal and we can all be very excited. I think the only thing I do enjoy is listening to people's pronunciations of some of these names of players that they don't know and haven't heard of. My all-time favourite is still Mbappe. Aha, uh-huh, Walter, you're guilty of that one.
0: <laughs> but, uh... I could be guilty of all sorts of things. I know my uh, father-in-law, he hasn't got the best hearing in the world, but he follows football. He watches loads and loads and loads of football. But Because he hasn't got the best hearing in the world, he pronounces every single player the way you would read it. <laughs> I'm laughing, but no one else in the family kind of gets what I'm laughing at, you know? It's a uh, it's proper Terry Henry moment, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, there are people who just continue to say Jesus, like Jesus Navas, and only lately, only lately, a few of them have started saying uh, Jesus, as it should be. And then the other one was uh, Gundawan. So we had Gundawan and Gondogan and seasoned journalists two years after the fact are still pronouncing Gundogan instead of Gundawan.
0: It doesn't bother me one little bit. I did a a guy I love is there, Tim Vickery. He does a lot of stuff for the BBC, a South American correspondent. And um, we did one I don't know video with him. Um and I, I was like saying, I've got to be in on it, I've got to be in on it. And that was the the first first question to him was So this Gabby Jesus fella. <laughs> Tim. So I was straight off the bat. I, I was uh, one of the first to be pronouncing his name right because I just thought that's the first question I'm gonna ask Tim Vickery. And it's Jesus. I've always said that one right, but no, it doesn't bother me. I mean at the end of the day, I mean I'm a teacher and we've got you know, kids from all over the world and I'm looking at the way they're spelled and that first day I will say right I'm going to say your name if I say it wrong repeat it back to me you know how you would say it because you know even with specific names there's different ways of saying it you know with, with your Jesus your Jesus wh- whichever ever way so you know, it, it doesn't bother me at all I just think you know <laughs> and some of the journalists there that's you know they're, they're getting paid to, to to go and find this stuff out or go, they're getting paid to be informed informative and accurate so does it bother me no but i just think it shows a slight lack of not respect but just ignorance on the journalist's behalf but it says more about them than it does about me or anybody else
1: let's not forget we let's not forget we wouldn't have one of city's greatest icons without the mispronunciation of imre banana's name
0: absolutely yeah this Um, is true well Rabinio's pronounced wrong. People, people will say Rabinio, 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 and it's Hopinio. You know, it's uh-huh. it's a H sound, and um so that's you know, it doesn't rile anybody. That you know, I think a lot of things are said with the best intentions, aren't they? You know, no one's disrespecting him. You know, you see a big R there, and every single word that you pronounce starts with with an R is an R. So. You know, this—it's it's one of those things. The more global we become, you know, whether it did his editing or not, I don't forget a thing. It is it, but you know, that's <laughs> yeah. just the way it is.
2: Do you remember back in the sort of seventies and eighties, whenever the latest foreigner was just called Carlos kickaball <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's quite funny. That was Victor- Alan Sugar, that wasn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Victoria, do you have any? Obviously, you're dealing with people. I know there's quite a few. You know, American fans of football, and they're very, very knowledgeable. They know everything, but do you find that you're correcting people and getting irked a little bit by weird, you know, manifestations of uh, common phrases and things that we well,
1: say? not people? really, no. I, I try and do my best just to help educate rather than criticize. So, you know, so as people get some of the, the language right. But it's the same, you know, I ask people to do the same for me if I'm at an ice hockey game and I don't know the correct terminology. Um, I would hope that my friends do the same for me. So, just more, as you know, correcting things of it's not a goaltender, it's a goalkeeper. It's not a PK it's a penalty. Are there any but other the, weird
2: ones uh, that
1: um, <laughs> that you've come across? Uh, just the plural offsides one is the one that really always gets me. I'll
0: tell you an yeah. interesting one I always found, that Tim Vickery was saying, because he works a lot with the um, South American correspondents, so he does a lot of TV work, and the name they pronounce wrong is Hesky called him emily that's you know and he he was there that's... correcting them for a while and then i just think after a while he went oh, okay it's emily hi you know, i have no big uh no big saying this so fair enough but that's you know and they're not meaning saying it to disrespect him They just that's the way their tongue works in many respects and that's the way they say things from the beginning of time so you know don't be too precious about it i don't think
2: do you guys remember how david moy's name was pronounced do you know what they called him no bed. I was going to say, I don't think it's suitable, <laughs> suitable to say out loud. Uh, Moyes, recorded, Moyes. Is it? David Moyes
0: was the, was the way they... <laughs> the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: chosen one. Guys, a couple of other little items in the news. Zinchenko to Napoli. Um, apparently, Zinchenko, through his agent, has let it be known. I love the phrase, let it be known. But let it be known that he would welcome an approach from Napoli if he could get it. What do you think about that one? <sighs>
0: um, you know my feelings on this. Uh, he, he needs sleep. Manchester City you know he's been a fantastic servant for us often a lot of these youth players that come through and I know we bought him from somewhere else you know and he's a young lad but a lot of the time they get a great education at Manchester City you know a great footballing education that will serve them well in the future you know not all our youngsters can get through into that first team so you're looking at Zinchenko and he's never let anybody down at Manchester City but I always say, where do we want to be in a couple of years' time? We want to be the best team in Europe. And Zinchenko isn't really part of that plan. And I think he wanted to stay because he was comfortable. But then you look at the amount of game time that he's got this season, and everybody knew what was going to happen, you know. And Napoli's a great club. And it'd be fantastic to play there, you know. Just going out in that cauldron as a player if that doesn't inspire you you know you're doing the wrong job so I just think if he gets there as long as we don't play him in the Champions League or anything else I wish him all the luck in the world I think he's a it's a right decision for him, it'd be a right decision for Napoli, and it'd be a right decision for Manchester City.
2: Victoria, a lot of people are beginning to stir up the Phil Foden out of Man City story. They're saying that he's looked at his mate Jaden Sancho flying uh, in the Bundesliga and talking about this guy going out on loan or even trying to replicate uh, Sancho's progress with a move into the German or the French league what do you think about that
1: I think it's inevitable because he is a player that's showing such great promise Um, but I I don't know. I mean, isn't there still 20 months left on his current contract? I think um, it's a little early for, for okay. that rumour mill to be going. I do think one of the things is that he is still very young and he's very slight as well. And whether you want to put him in the Premier League games where he's probably going to get uh, you know, kicked about a little bit, it's very, very physical. It's one of the things that I, I explain to people over here when we're watching matches, when they're frustrated that like Phil Foden's not in the start in 11 and he's not playing right from the get-go and it is well you have to remember that he's young and what we don't want is for him to get an injury that affects the rest of his career and we've seen you know a lot of players where that's happened so it's you know he's still very very young he's got a lot to learn and I think Pep's the right person for him to be under to learn that.
2: Walter do you think it would help Foden's development if he did a little loan spell out in France or Germany?
0: Well, there's two different ways of looking at it. Uh, he's getting, for me, the best education in world football because I think Pep's that good. Whoever's looking after him wouldn't be doing the right job if they weren't sort of saying, oh, yeah, there's interest from there. We fancy that because that puts pressure on City, to, you know, to not take advantage of the fact that he's a City fan and pay him, you know, whatever the going rate for a player is. So they're 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 doing their job well as well. And Foden's a different prospect altogether. He's a lad who's he's grown up. You know, he's been a fan for the for the whole of his life. So I just don't want to see that sort of him get taken advantage of in that scenario. Oh no, it's, it, it's Phil. he sign. Don't worry about it. And you talk about him bulking up. That's the one difference I did notice the last time I saw him play. Is mm. it looked like someone had said to him, right, summertime get down that gym Mm -hmm. you know i remember seeing him take his top off for um oh he's having a knock around with his mates on the street and he had his top off and he looked he didn't you know he didn't have that manly physique at all (laughs) you know what i mean to put it politely he still i mean that's no fault of his you know that's the age that he is so he needs to if you're going to be a professional athlete in the premier league and let's get this right they are professional athletes you do need to have that certain sh- sort of strength to you, and that doesn't matter if it's David Silver, you know, he, or whoever. I mean, Wayne Rooney was just a freak of nature when he came out. You know, he was just. As soon as I saw him, he looked like a bot He looked like a boxer.
1: Part man, part potato. Exactly.
0: So <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't come along very often. Whether we loan him out to get that education, you know, you for me, you talk to the family. And you'd see what the family wanted, what he wanted. And if he's happy learning, Raheem Sterling scored two goals tonight. And Lineker, I think, put out a tweet saying he'd not even played for England at that age. And The the competition that our youngsters come up against is 10 times that what Lineker came up against as well. You know, if you were the best sort of youth, you, 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 you rose through the ranks quite quickly. But City, mean, the best youth developments in England, whether that's at Chelsea or City, because that's where a lot of them seem to go, they're up against people from all four corners of the globe that have been scouted and brought in. You have to have that bit extra special about you. Who was the manager who brought through, I think, the greatest player of all time, Lionel Messi? It see, didn't you seem Guardiola. to do him any arm. Uh, yeah. There you go. So, you know, he... he And he brought a lot of them through at the time. And you just think, well, if he could do it there, he knows what he's talking about and he knows what he's doing. He can be a slightly odd bloke, but when it comes to football, the guy's a Stonewall genius. And he wants to do what's best for Manchester City, not what's best for Phil Foden, not what's best for the England team, not what's best for the English media. He wants to win games for Manchester City. And if he's got to crack some eggs along the way, that's how you make it.
2: Victoria, we're being linked with a 23-year-old Polish striker who joined Genoa for 4 million this summer, and he's he's had a free-scoring start to life in Italy. I'm surprised about this. Even though this guy has got 8 goals and 13 appearances for Genoa, is this a sign, maybe, that people are beginning to think a little bit about Gabby Jay and his sort of form over the last sort of 6 to 8 months?
1: I don't necessarily think it looking at replacing Gabby. I think it's more the succession plan for when Aguero retires.
2: Yeah, it's going to be difficult replacing him, isn't it? Is the strategy to try to bring in a world star to replace Aguero when he gets older? Or should we be looking to develop, you know, one, you know, 21, 22, 23 and try to mould him into that? What do you think?
1: I think either. I mean, all both should be being done. I mean, we've got a great academy. There's youngsters coming up through that. Uh, there's also youngsters that are out playing in for different teams. And as I said before, we've got a phenomenal team at City that are putting tabs on all of those people and who's going to be the right fit, who's going to be the right player that would fit into Pep's system, but perhaps not immediately fit into his system, but could be honed to fit into his system. I mean, whoever thought that Delph was going to be the player that he's turned out to be, playing under Pep and being trained by Pep. So, I think, you know, there's a lot of exciting things to come from our academy. Not every player in our academy is going to play in the first team. The academy is there to make money and it's a business structure as part of the club. So there are players that come through the academy and then we will quite rightly sell on and make money on those. That's the whole point of a good academy, not just finding the next, you know, a full squad of players that have all come through the academy. Um, but I think we're starting to see the fruits of the labour from the last few years of that academy And the changes that were made 10 years ago, you know, with the academy players training with the first team, there's not the delineation between the first team players and the academy players now. They do train together, they eat together, they hang out together, and that's very important. Um, But just the training facilities and and what is happening at the the CFA is is just
2: amazing. Walter, we had a question from a listener. I can't quite recall the exact wording, but the point being made was that City have got much more to fear from Sari ball at Chelsea than they do from uh, Liverpool and their counter pressing style what do you think about that
0: it's early days isn't it uh, you know the Premier League nobody wins the Premier League before Christmas I mean the nearest that ever came to that was us last year and even when we were X amount of points ahead you know City fans were still panicking if we were drawn at half time I just think Sarri seems to fit nicely into Chelsea and he's got his main cog for from Napoli. That was a great buy for them. And, you know, Chelsea are no mugs either. They they seem to have an off-season and an on-season and Hazard is just ripping it up. The guy looks phenomenal. Whether they've got enough to get them over the line, I still think they'll weak up front and I think they have properly replaced Diego Costa as well. If you added him into the mix as well, that'd just be phenomenal because... Diego Costa was one of those players that everybody hated unless he played for your team. And then you absolutely loved him. And that's the way it should be in many respects, you know. For me, it's a case of who's going to finish second and third. Is it Liverpool or Chelsea? that's how confident I feel at this moment I'd still go with Liverpool to be honest because I think they've had a little bit longer under Klopp and Klopp is the perfect fit for them but also they've added squad depth as well which was severely lacking last year first place or second place I'm going to go Liverpool third place Chelsea and fourth place I think it'd be Arsenal because they seem to be mm. on fire in their as well so you know unfortunately for United fans I think they're going to miss out on Champions League
2: ah uh, boohoo I- I say, um... Sad trombone
0: sound. (laughs) Tiny tiny violins.
2: Victoria, let's talk about upcoming fixtures. So the next one is Saturday, 20th of October, at home against Burnley. Let's play a game, Vic. 60 seconds, tell me everything you know about Burnley.
1: Go. Play at Turf Moor. Mike Summerby played for them back in the day. Joe Hart's there now. Not too far away. Still, you know, our neighbours. Probably about it, really.
0: I think Sean Dyche is an underrated manager and he caused us uh, quite a few problems last year you know they, they had a, a fairly decent game at our place and then it was the the 1-1 at their place they're, they're organized and they're well organized and I think the best thing to happen to Burnley was getting locked out of the uh, Europa League because now he's got his focus arguably they've got the greatest collection of English goalkeepers ever you <laughs> sort of sat there I mean Joe Hart's there Is it, uh, Pope's there because I remember Gabby Jays who's uh, scored against him and that was a headline in the making. It's just incredibly well organised, and they do struggle to get goals. I mean, I, I like Burnley. You know what I mean? They're just they're a team that did very well last year. He got them into the top half of the table, which is was an ultra sort of competitive league as well, because the amount of money that gets spent in the Premier League. Not necessarily by Burnley, but for him to be competing year in, year out on that basis. You know, it's uh, good luck to him, but this should be cannon fodder for us, and we should be looking at three points.
2: Here's a pop quiz for both of you podsters. Burnley have three players tied for the position of top goal scorer on two goals each. Can any of you guys name one of those three players? (laughs) Burnley's top scorer? Ashley Barnes. Ashley Barnes. Ashley okay. Barnes. The second guy, who's also tied on two goals, and he's got a very Polish-sounding family name. Kowski. And uh, the, the final one, I'm not going to trouble you with. It's Sam Vokes, so I think we'll end this game early, but... <laughs> Um, Walter, I've got a very, very funny line here from Howard Hawkins. He gives the reason why David De Gea couldn't save Sterling's first goal. You know the one where he scored it up into the top corner? Um, Because
0: it wasn't aimed directly at him.
2: Because it wasn't aimed directly at him. You got it.
1: (laughs) The only thing I would add is if if people are interested in learning a little bit more about the supporters clubs that are outside the UK, there's a great book called Pride in Travel which is by Daryl Webster, who's a member of the Toronto branch. Um, so Darrell spent a season traveling around the world to watch a match with different branches. So came here and watched with Chicago. Um, he watched a match with Dallas. He went you know, as far-flung as Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, I think he did, uh, Iceland, um, and wrote a book about the... Journey that he did and the people that he met along the way, and you know being a city fan and being a city fan outside of Manchester and overseas it's a really good read so i would I would recommend that to anybody. Uh, put it on your Christmas list.
0: i tell you what I was watching the other day, which is quite apt, because it's got a double meaning, and the Blues Brothers. And, in Chicago. There you go. Well, the car chase scenes in Chicago, I mean, that was in 1979, 1980, so I don't know how much different it is, but I suppose some, a lot of the buildings will still be there.
1: Yeah, most of that, the car chase scene is underneath the L-Tracks, um, so that's all still there. Um, a lot of, like, some of the Batman films have been filmed around those areas as well. And Lower Wacker Drive is used for a lot of film and TV. Um, but yeah, no, the Blues Brothers is a great film.
0: It's the best musical ever made.
1: Yeah. The only, the one bit when uh, when the Nazis drive their car off off the bridge... Yeah. You see it falling down. That's actually yeah. Milwaukee. That was that bit was filmed in Milwaukee, not in Chicago. I
0: they, they drive over the bridge, and all the Nazis have to jump off. Yes,
1: yeah, so that that's in Milwaukee.
0: Which uh, not they, they don't drive off the bridge. They, it's in a park, and they're demonstrating, and the Blues Brothers drive over the bridge, and they all have to jump off.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's I think that's in Chicago. Did they do Blues Brothers Tour? They do. Yep. Do. Guys,
2: which famous long-running '70s sitcom was set in Milwaukee? Happy Days. Happy Days.
1: Okay. There is a bronze statue of the Fonz in Milwaukee that has had the Manchester City flag draped across him, and there are <laughs> photographs of that. <laughs>
2: outstanding,
0: outstanding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I just uh-huh. hope there's a lot of people in South Korea that pronounce all the Manchester City players <laughs> need
2: Absolutely. I'll, I insist upon it. Okay, everyone, let's wrap it up here. Thank you very much to Walter Smith. Walter, looking forward to see you on the next pod. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Have a good week, Blues, and I hope it's uh, three happy points against Burnley.
2: And thank you to Victoria. Victoria, look forward to hearing from you on the next episode.
1: <laughs> see you soon, and uh, let's all give Joe Hart a round of applause when he comes back, and then we'll Put eight past him. Stay tuned for the next episode.
2: Have one on us and up the blues.